You're listening to the Wheel of Time TV podcast with Jay Florence. Welcome to Randland. There's a lot to cover this episode. Uh, we're going to be talking about Amazon's casting announcement for Emmonsfield 5. Can't wait to get into it. We're also going to go over our predictions for the series episode 2 entitled Shadows Waiting. Very exciting. Before we get into any of that, uh, as you know, we've launched and we're live on Twitter and the Instagram. I've been learning to use Twitter. And Weekly Wheel News reviewed us, and they called us out for not having uh, thorough enough introductions. What? Yeah. So I want to go on record as saying that was intentional. I think that introduction episodes or segments are really boring, and I don't like to talk about myself. I think it just is kind of boring. But we're going to do it anyway, and we're going to do it my way. So to make this fun... We are all going to introduce each other. Um, and also, we have to say what we think their karaoke song would be. What? So, yeah. All I right. think we should start with Andrew. I think his karaoke song would be Man Eater by Hall and Oates. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably accurate. Yeah. Yeah. I do love that song. I think it would be Every Day is Like Sunday by Morrissey. What about you, Colin? Any guesses? Yeah, I think it would be a Morrissey song, but it would be like much more broody than... <laughs> I do have, I have a karaoke song. Am I allowed to say what it is? I mean, I want, I'm just going to go with How Soon Is Now just because that's more like broody, but I don't know if that's... Okay, you can say your karaoke song. That song's like song. seven minutes long. I think everyone, <laughs> everyone might get really bored. Yeah. It's fine. It's your song, man. I, I, usually, I usually do First of the Gang to Die by Morrissey. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're close. All right, what I know about Andrew Chappell, also known as Stump, uh, you're from Michigan. Do you know any more about that, Colin? I know a little bit more about that, having come from Michigan as well, um, and gone to college with, with Andrew, so. College is where Andrew got his nickname, Stomp. It's true. It was an icebreaker activity where everyone was supposed to say their name and an onomatopoeia that, like, described <gasps> themselves. Like an, and, action. an action. I didn't know that. An action, and Andrew wasn't paying attention, so when it came to him, he just said, Stomp. <laughs> and what year was this? It was... <laughs> Right when I met everyone, <laughs> no one knew my real name. <laughs> like 18 years ago, still your name. No, it's like 10 years ago. Oh. I'm younger than that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, 50 years ago. <laughs> 50 years ago, the last turning of the wheel. The last turning of the wheel. Yeah. And the last <laughs> I was. All right. All right, we can't take too long on these. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing Andrew was probably like an English lit major. I know he went into publishing after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he moved into marketing, which is much more lucrative. And now he works for an awesome nonprofit, nonprofit doing awesome deeds. But most notably, he loves wrestling. He loves wrestling. Uh, we know selling point ladies. <laughs> well, I mean, like the on the TV. Yeah, we know what you mean. Oh, I, I thought you meant like he is a wrestler himself. He's frequently hitting the mats. 
That's just a thing I like to do. Hey, ladies, if you're, if you're listening, I love wrestling. You love WWE. If you want to wrestle with me. He has an awesome one-bedroom apartment uh, in, in Bushwick. Bushwick in Brooklyn, New York. Very desirable. Very close to What's the J-Stop. address? <laughs> I'm usually not home from about 9 a.m. until 5 p.m. He's very clean. He's very clean. Um, he has multiple bath products really good in that department. Like a well-stocked... Right accurate. Now. That is accurate. You do have a lot of bath products. Um, but Andrew has a love sack. And in honor of Andrew's love sack, we did put something special together. Uh, last fun fact, Andrew has a great singing voice. He sent me a song about the love sack, and our wonderful um, editor, Matt, put together this commercial that we're going to play for you. Man, I just have so much space and no furniture. What am I going to do? Who are you? I want to tell you about a sack that you're going to love. Okay, well, that's, that sounds nice, but... Uh, from the devil below or from heaven above. Dude, why are you, why are you tuning that guitar? I want to tell you about a sack. That you're gonna love. What kind of sack are you even talking about? You're gonna keep on coming, coming back. You're gonna love, 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 love my sack. You're gonna love, 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 love my sack. Jamie's singing along. Go to lovesack.com and enter reward code RANLAND for 50% off. Love sack. Lounging made easy. Matt, that was so good. We did not. We did you not really work on crushed that it. It's <laughs> not a joint project. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Um, if you're listening and you enjoyed that commercial, we do want to make more commercials. That was also the lovely voice of our producer, Matt. Yeah. Um, but we do want to make more commercials. So if you have a suggestion for a Wheel of Time related product and service, send us your ideas at Ranland TV Pod on Twitter, and we might turn them into a real commercial just like Andrew's Love Sack. Brought to you by Love Sack. <laughs> I think that sums up Andrew Chappell. Uh, that's everything about him. That's yeah, everything that's about him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to Colin Ezra Frazier. Lauren and Stomp, help me out here. So Colin is from Detroit, Michigan. He met Stomp and several of our other friends once upon a time at MSU. He went on to get his MFA at the New School for creative writing. Um, He's into speculative fiction, right now working on short stories. He has a Wheel of Time tattoo on his bulging Perrin-like bicep. And uh, he hates peanuts on Thai food. And he wears a teal uh, banana hammock to the beach. <laughs> I've seen that, actually. That's true. I want to see this. You, you probably do. I've never had the pleasure. It's... Maybe you can wear it to the next... Photo evidence. The next recording. Yeah. The next time we record. Yeah, you can totally. wear your banana hammock. What do you Absolutely. guys think his karaoke song would be? I think... Big Time Sensuality by Bjork. Or something Oh, he is a big Bjork fan that we know. He has sent me drunk karaoke, and it was uh, I Can Show You This World from Disney's Aladdin. (laughs) And it was very heartfelt and very serious. (laughs) A new world, a new fantasy. 
trying. It was like an audition oh for the live action. Yeah. <laughs> Surprised you didn't get the role. <laughs> I didn't get the role, guys. Yeah. Probably dodged a bullet there. Uh, Maybe. Colin has, <laughs> I've, I've seen him evolve over the last 10 years and to embracing his nerddom even more and more. He plays a lot of RPGs. He reads a lot of books, especially after graduating. And yeah, he's a cool dude. He lives in Flatbush. His, his address is 99 Candy Cane Lane. Yeah, <laughs> Candy Cane Lane. 99 Candy Cane Lane. That's where Colin lives. We're looking for a hot date, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. All right, Lauren, you're up. I probably know the most about you. Lauren and I met on a film set in Montana. Lauren worked at the local wine bar and uh, cheese shop, and she used to open up after hours and make me like fucking amazing sandwiches sandwich. after we wrapped shooting. The sandwich, oh my god, it was so good. <laughs> and we bonded because Lauren had read The Wheel of Time, and I was like, who is this chick in Montana who's read The Wheel of Time? This is amazing. That makes you sandwiches. Later, she reached out to me uh, kind of randomly, uh, like maybe a few months after shooting, and was looking for an apartment, and uh, Stomp was looking for a roommate, so I introduced them. They lived Lauren, together for four days. And then the apartment oh, collapsed. Yeah. Ended up being a disaster, actually. <laughs> they both texted me, this is so great, thank you so much for introducing us. And then Andrew, te- and then Andrew texted me, my landlord just called. <laughs> the building is on sound and the staircase is collapsing. You have to leave. Accurate. Oh my God. Uh, so Lauren moved in with me for a week. We found her another place. Now she lives in the same neighborhood as Colin and I. Mm-hmm. Flatbush. She knows a lot about beer and she does like the swishy swishy thing when she's drinking wine because she knows how to taste it, which I don't know how to do. No, you got to do that. Oh, to aerate it with your mouth? Yeah, yeah. you got to like get all, you got to hit every point it's of your, your mouth. very bad Probably got to oral sex. Thank you. <laughs> I've heard. Well, you want to aerate it, but you also want to hit all the, yeah. all the points. What's Lauren's karaoke song? I'm befuddled. Lauren's karaoke song. Usually what you want with oral sex is a lot of swooshing. What? <laughs> <laughs> all right, karaoke swooshing and spitting. I don't know what kind of music I actually music don't Lauren know likes. what type of music. I don't know anything about what music you like. Exactly, because I choose not to let my musical taste be known. You should. Well, I don't know. Everyone thinks they have good taste in music, so I just let everyone think that. So I decided to have no taste You're in music. You're a blank slate. Fair enough. I did go to theater school, though, so I'm like professionally trained in singing. I was going for the Shania Twain. Like, oh, whose bed have your boots been under? Oh, you got it. <laughs> That's a great one. Boom. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> oh my god. All right, you guys get to do me. All right. Jamie. Everyone do me. <laughs> Jamie lives in Flatbush. Jamie lives in Flatbush. It's, uh, it's Leopard's Garden, guys. PLG. Oh god, <laughs> you're right. Garden. You are PLG. Leopards. The G stands for gentrification now. We're not in Flatbush anymore. Jamie's from Rhode Island. Jamie is a super host. Jamie is a super host. Jamie is always having people over, cooking them dinner, and throwing fabulous parties because she has a fabulous apartment. Mm -hmm. We are actually recording in her apartment. Live from Jamie's fabulous apartment. Live from Jamie's fabulous apartment. Um, (laughs) So I met met Jamie in 2007 when I moved to New York. um, I'm so old. (laughs) Yep. 
we became friends quickly, and then we became roommates, and we lived together. And, that was uh, fun. Yeah, it was fun. That was a great time. <laughs> Jamie's lived with all of us. We used to that's smoke true. weed yeah. and play Guitar Hero at nine in the morning in our underwear. That's yeah, adorable. That's true. That's great. That's very bondy to be young. Mm-hmm. And have no obligations. And <laughs> that does sound fun. So yeah, when I met Jamie, she was still in college at Parsons. Mm-hmm. And um, she has since moved on and become a fantastic producer, Aww. which is uh, what she does for us and what she does professionally. She, like Lauren says, loves to host, but is also a great cook. She is a Aww. fabulous cook, mm-hmm. and she's from Rhode Island. That means so much to me. Jamie is not a human being. <laughs> <laughs> if she's not a human, what is she? A plant? Am I the chosen? A robot? She is a fey folk. <laughs> Jamie's a fae! From the fae realm. Oh, I love it. Wait, you have to guess at least one karaoke oh, song. Oh, a karaoke song. All right. I'm going to go with Patsy Cline, Crazy. That's oh. good. If I had any singing voice, I would. that would be it. <laughs> I really want to say Nancy Sinatra. <gasps> These boots are made for walking. Oh, okay. Or any song by Nancy, Nancy Sinatra. Sinatra. Yeah. Thank you. You're, that, that's just, I actually sing Nancy you can hit Sinatra a lot when I'm on the train. Fun fact... Sometimes I see Colin in the neighborhood with his headphones on singing out loud. It is great. (laughs) And it takes him five minutes to realize I'm saying hi to him. Like, Colin! Colin! And he's like... I see the the two of you in the neighborhood all the time, but I'm going so fast on my bike that I can't be bothered to say hello. Lies. She's hiding. She never texts us back. She's too cool. It's true. (laughs) Yeah. That's the four of us. Now you know where we live. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So really exciting this week. As predicted, Amazon Prime announced the cast of the series. Woo! It was like a party. Everyone lost their minds. It was amazing. I didn't get Um, the invite for that party. Well, it's you're not on job. Twitter. <laughs> you had to be invited to the dance party. So I do want to talk about each cast member and break it down. We'll talk about who they are, what they've done, what the fan reactions were in social. But before we do that, I do want to just talk about them as a, a group and also ladder back to the predictions we made in episode two where we talked about the cast. So uh, at a glance, we have Rand, Yosha Stradowski. We're making a guess that that is how you pronounce his name. Yeah, it's, it's spelled Josha, but Yosha Stradowski, 24. He is Dutch. He is originally from Rotterdam. Industrial city. Makes sense they cast a Dutch person because Dutch people are just huge. They are really tall. They're All yeah. our Dutch friends tower over me. Yeah, they're quite tall yeah. in general. We have Matt played by Barney Harris, 22. He's English. Mm-hmm. Sounds like an English name. Yeah, there's actually no Americans in the cast. It's true. Which so far. we did yes. talk about. We talked about with KVH casting mm-hmm. uh, that caster. it would be international, and we got it. We have Perrin, played by Marcus Rutherford. He's 24. He's also English mm-hmm. from Nottingham. Oh, North. My favorite Disney song ever is from uh, Robin Hood, and it's not in Nottingham. <laughs> Every town. Has its ups and downs Sometimes ups Outnumber the downs 
but not in Nottingham. I'm waiting for the Disney live action of that one because I think it's a really beautiful film, actually. The fox? The white yeah. Robin has a fox? Mm -hmm. Okay, we have Nanave, played by Zoe Robbins. She's 26. She's a Kiwi from New Zealand. Mm -hmm. And last but not least, Egwene, played by Madeline Madden. It's spelled Madeline. I don't know if she pronounces it Madeline, but I'm going with Madeline. 22, she's Australian, mm -hmm. an Aussie. So that's the group. They are a very handsome bunch. What they do you guys really think? Are. How they look as a group? It's true. They're very it's handsome. It's a handsome crew. Handsome, handsome. They obviously are beautiful, but they are beautiful in unique ways, which we talked about. Um, and they're not, I don't think they look CW. Like they're not cheesy, like CW actors. I mean, I, I'm, I'm on the fence about that, but I don't think that matters. Like they're headshots and they're young mm -hmm. people living in 2019. Like mm -hmm. they're going to look like that because mm -hmm. that's what, that's what CW wants you to think when they look. You look at their shows, right? But I think obviously, like that's a particular aesthetic that. And even when people get headshots, mm -hmm. they're. I mean, they're gussied up for the headshot, you know. So totally. They're actors. They're they're. Yeah. They're malleable in that way, mm -hmm. so they can look however they need to look for the role. Totally, and they look hot. I'm really excited to hot. see who Lan is cast as. Actually, we did a poll on Twitter. And we asked fans, who do you want to be announced next or cast? Lan. And Lan got 73% of the vote. Mm -hmm. The second was Tom, and in like no close proximity was Min, and then last was Elaine. Yeah, last is Elaine. Like two votes. <laughs> like no one cares. Everyone wants to know who Lan is. <laughs> that was great. Everyone was celebrating. Overall, I think the fan reaction was super positive. Yeah, positive. People were fucking pumped. I think, you know, when you and I talked about it, Colin, we talked about diversity. I mean, we all talked about it, but in our in our bonus episode, we talked about it in particular because mm -hmm. I had suggested Nico Parker. And there was a strong reaction on Twitter against her. Several people came out with racist remarks being like, you can't have diversity in Edmondsfield, which we addressed in that episode. But we got some damn diversity. Yeah, but all like six racist Wheel of Time fans came out, uh, obviously, to yeah. comment. Um, but the majority of people were awesome and just yeah. super stoked. And it was, it was great. To highlight some of those, uh, why are they casting black people for the characters that are not black? The show is going to be hard to watch for people who have read the books. And no, I am not a racist. I have imagined the story in my head 1,000 times, and I'm not going to be able to take the show seriously. I think if you have to preface any comment with, I'm not a racist. I, I mean, um, I think that is a pretty big red flag. But, you know, unfortunately, I imagine yeah. most of the world isn't conforming to the, the thousand ways they've imagined it. You know, Yeah, so. which is good, which I think will keep us entertained and watching it. Even yeah. though we know and have read the story a thousand times, isn't it great that it's not what we imagined in our imagination? Well, Don't you want to be surprised? I, I was really uh, encouraged by p the way people reacted to those people online, the people that were bringing up race as a problem in this casting, mm. or dismissing it as a, quote, PC, like, oh, you have to have diversity because it's 2019, but this is like ruining the books and it's not how the books were written. Avienda of the Tardad Ail, which Colin was interacting with, said, uh, The racism is so thinly veiled it's unreal, and I know a thing or two about veils. And uh, a child of the light, Dane Bornhold, <laughs> was, was awesome and uh, commenting on canon and said, Exactly, how dare they cast a dark-haired, dark-eyed young woman to play the dark-haired, dark-eyed Egwene. 
And there, there was a great article on Facebook written that was describing the discrepancy between the text and the, the cover art. Right. Um, and this happened a lot in books, I think, until very recently, and, and I don't know if it's still happening, mm-hmm. but where the art depicted people of a different ethnicity than the characters. Yeah. Personally, my favorite author, Ursula K. Le Guin, wrote The Wizard of Earthsea. As you read it, the protagonist, Ged, is revealed to be a person of color. And this is in 1967, when all fantasy was just a white male protagonist. Um, And she said, A great many white readers in 1967 were not ready to accept a brown-skinned hero, but they weren't expecting one. I didn't make an issue of it, and you have to be well into the book before you realize that Ged, like most of the characters, is not white. So she kind of lured the reader in Mm -hmm. and twisted their expectations. But even given that, all the cover art was of white characters. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people continue to have misconceptions. And it wasn't until later that she was allowed to publish a cover of people of color. And you would think the same thing would not happen in the 90s, but it did. I mean, this isn't an uncommon thing. um, You've got a lot of writers working within the speculative fiction realm who are people of color and write about people of color. And their work, though it's been published for decades, just like Ursula's, um, you have Octavia Butler, you have Sam Delaney. And if you look at a lot of their earlier cover work or cover art for their work, the characters depicted on those covers are not people of color, but the characters within the stories very much are so. So it's a matter of everything outside of the the actual words on the page inside the book is marketing. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's about, is marketing to the masses, right? And like what's right. going to sell those books. So unfortunately, and I think that Facebook article touched on this, people have been duped by the marketing. And in such a way, and I think I kind of actually meant, talked about this last time, is that you're bringing this back, you're bringing baggage from other things that you've expected into, uh, into works because they fit into this, this genre of, of fiction. But everything's different. You have to yeah. approach each one separately and yeah. figure out exactly what's going on in that one, as the author says. You know. Yeah. To read a quote, um, like the last paragraph of that article that was on Facebook, Angsty Rand finally had his moment of self-honesty on Dragon Mount. Angsty white fandom should do the same. I do admit that it is bittersweet that my images of the characters I've loved for 30 years are now about to be replaced, and they, in all likelihood, will be replaced just as Elijah Wood demolished my mental picture of Frodo. But that's okay. We've been told since day one that these images would fade into myth and eventually entirely out of memory. Uh, Did you guys see what Brandon Sanderson said? I did, yes. So a fan said, uh, Rafe is destroying Wheel of Time series by letting SJW politics run his casting effort. Never knew Two Rivers people were black. And now, not sure if Rand was legally impaired the whole time, thinking he was from there or Tam was his father. What a freaking tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brandon Sanderson himself uh, responds to this. Personally, I think he simply tried to match the characters with the people who he thought would best work for the narrative. I like the look of these characters. They feel right to me. Yeah. Which is great. Great response. He also said, I don't really get to make the canon for Wheel of Time any longer, and I try very hard not to speak for the series or for Harriet. That said, I'm 100% behind this casting. I think Mr. Jordan would be as well. He specifically built Wheel of Time in a way where our current understandings of culture, 
race, and ethnicity no longer held. Beyond that, he worked very hard to try to make people's biases in the world break along gender lines or nationality lines, because those are the themes in the series he wanted to explore. Yeah, I think um, it was an interesting, it was definitely an interesting moment to see all of that unfold. And like you said, like, by and large, it was all positive. So let's dive into the characters. Um, yeah, we have Rand up first, Yosha Stradowski, 24. He's Dutch, like we mentioned. And uh, Colin and I both were researching and we were hard pressed to find anything in English. Um, yeah. But having, uh, Colin and I both have friends in the Netherlands and they're well known for speaking perfect English. Um, so I don't really have any concerns there. Um, but I did watch clips of movies he's been in. Uh, he was in particular in a movie called Just Friends. Uh, it's described as a tough guy with a sensitive side. Mm -hmm. uh, in the Netherlands, the romance of two young men from different cultural backgrounds hits a snag when the idiosyncrasies of their parents threaten to keep them apart. And he plays uh, a gay man. Mm -hmm. And I saw him make out with another dude. It was great. Yeah, I think um, <laughs> I wasn't able to watch the film, but I did immediately text my friend. Once the casting mm -hmm. was announced, I immediately texted my friend in the Netherlands. It was like, hey, do you know this guy? This is his picture. This is his name. Do you know this actor? And he was like, oh, yeah, I just watched him in this movie, Just mm. Friends, which is the translation. And I was like, great. Was he good? Was he a good actor? He was like, yeah, that's, I think so. He was pretty good. I liked it. So I was like, okay, that's he good. He seemed good. Yeah. And I mean... I watched his his kind of like uh, his his acting reel, his sizzle mm -hmm. reel, and it was solid. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously they're going to choose the best parts, yeah. but the best parts were good, so... And seeing Yosha in Just Friends, he can, like, play nuance and emotion, but he's also, like, a tough guy mm -hmm. that has kind of, like, a lot of, like, rage built up from, yeah, from I think, the clips I, I saw. I think he has the, pace, the capability to embody all of the the wide range of emotions that Rand goes through mm -hmm. throughout the course of the series. I think it's within this gentleman's capability to do that. Yeah. I asked um, the podcasters of every. Everyone hates Rand. If they, uh, I was like, how can you hate that face? And they said, listen, we all know canonically Rand is a hot boy, but that doesn't make him any less insufferable. Mm. It's true. He is pretty insufferable. It's a love-hate relationship with Rand. Yeah. To me, I feel sympathetic toward him because he's going through a lot. His father's not his father, which weirdly happened to one of our friends recently. Yeah. And I can only imagine how, like... Maybe, Thanks, maybe we, 23 and me. Maybe we have to cut that part. But anyway. Yeah. I was going to say, like, oh, no. It happened, like, yesterday. Yeah. Holy fuck. So, yeah, that's pretty intense to deal with. But also, like, he's dealing with this. He's only, like, what, 18? Mm -hmm. I mean, I know I was stupid when I was 18. And also, his whole thing is, like, his, it seems like his destiny is just, like, chosen for him. He's probably one of the most... Wait, is this in the book one? Am I yeah. staying in book one? And everyone wants something from him. So he's just dealing with a lot of shit. He's not who he thinks he is. He's maybe not in control of his own fate, mm -hmm. and everyone wants something from him. And he doesn't understand why. Moving on to your boyfriend, Colin. Perrin. Perrin probably elicited the strongest reaction online. We'll get into it. Rafe said, this man walked into the room, read a scene that made every single person watching cry, and walked out. We all looked at each other and said, he is Perrin. Aww. Glad you're getting to meet him now, too. That is Marcus Rutherford, 24. He's from Nottingham. Can't there be some happiness for me? 
out in Nottingham. He studied at the television workshop, um, and he's not the only blacksmith to come out of the television workshop. Joe Dempsey, who oh, played shit. Gendry on Game of Thrones. Wow. Number this one is, blacksmith. You hear that, listeners? If you want to be a blacksmith on TV, <laughs> go to the television to workshop. <laughs> go to the television workshop. He was in an indie film called Obey, um, which he was nominated for a British Independent Film Award for Promising Newcomer. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also been, he's done some TV and some other, like an, a few other indie movies. But yeah, I feel like he has a gentle way about him. I had nominated Chance Perdomo to be Perrin, who was kind of who I pictured in my mind with like his curly hair and his mm-hmm. almond eyes. Like Marcus has the same sort of like sweetness in his face. He looks different, but yeah. um, he does have this like kind face that endears yourself to him, even though he's playing like a tougher character. Yeah, it's true. He has a face that looks like it feels a lot. Yeah. 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 A, yeah. You're right. <laughs> He could make me cry, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Marcus, um, though, uh, according to fans on social media, you got to start slamming those protein shakes, bro. Yeah. Oh, really? No, I was going to ask you guys, as owners of biceps. <laughs> so, Not me. That that excludes me, everyone. Just Stomp so you and know. Colin. No, actually. Dior just has large hands. Quote our fit. <laughs> that is... <laughs> Very inaccurate. I just want bigger hands. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Um, Listeners, if you could see my hands, they're so small. They're abnormally um, huge. I to wish. Quote, to quote someone on Twitter, needs to get on that gym life. Mm. I myself wrote, needs to hit the forge. I think, like, I agree to a certain degree. I think that yeah. um, I've actually wasn't able to watch any of his, like, yeah, any, any thorough, yeah. like, work. I was able to watch his acting reel um, and the trailer for, for Obey, both mm-hmm. of which were... They were good. Very good. Yeah, but I like both of them. But in terms of like his body, like sure, he could be bigger, but the way that Jordan describes Piran is not a thing that anyone could actually do. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's not an attainable I don't think it's it's really very realistic. I'm sure there are people out there who are like fucking huge, but the I think that the chance that you're gonna find someone who's who, like, swole who's and like, can act and be parents. That swole yeah. and that like ripped, not just big, but like mm-hmm. ripped. Yeah. And, like, can act, and is this age, like... And is incredibly sensitive. And yeah. is incredibly sensitive. And can, I think, no, no, no. Could try yes. being that sensitive. I don't have the exact tweet, but someone said, you know, to that extent, I would rather have someone who can build muscle... Yeah, yeah for ...and sure. embodies the character than yeah. someone who's, like, a walking, you know, meatloaf and right, just, right. like, you know, can't act. I will say this... One, we haven't seen recent photos of him. We do not know how lo- how recently these people were casted. They've had a tight lid on it. Mm-hmm. It could have happened a few months ago. That's he true. could already be hitting the gym. For they could sure. be they could have been in rehearsals for the last two months, but we're waiting for the whole five to come together mm-hmm. to announce it. And secondly, it is an actor's job to transform their body. Not every actor, but you know, certain types of actors. If you look at Christian Bale who's gone from an anorexic in The Machinist mm-hmm. to Dick Cheney yeah. to, like, If you look at Batman. any female and how ridiculously skinny the majority of them are on TV. Yeah, but that's maintained. But, that's, like, but a lot we're ta- of... But talking about, like... Charlize Theron, a yeah. monster who had to transform right. her body into, like, more bestial. Or get James McAvoy, who will go Bridget from, like... Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Renee Zellweger and Bridget Jones. 
Are they maybe not the largest trends for me? She <laughs> gained weight for Bridget Jones. You, do you mean Renee Zellweger between 30 and 40 in the plastic surgery, oh which is unrecognizable? But, his. okay, I do want to mention James McAvoy because he's, like, a skinny British dude. Yeah. And then to see him in... Um, Split. 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 Holy shit. And then shit. what's the... What's that the sequel? That is crazy. The, se- the sequel or the one where they all come together? They all come together, yeah. I didn't see it. I've actually never seen Gla- any of those. Glass film. Glass movie. Gla- yeah. I think it's glass. Oh, it's, I think it's weird just glass. as fuck. Okay, you I'm don't sure. think of James McAvoy as being ripped, but he got like Wolverine ripped for, for that sure. movie because he has to play the Beast. So Tom Hanks fucking, Castaway. If... <laughs> he went from a loaf of Wonder Bread to like a skinnier loaf of Wonder oh my Bread. God. I mean, I love Tom Hanks, but not for his body. Oh, but no, I think uh, he's a young I man. I love Tom Hanks so much. I love Tom Hanks' body. <laughs> Tom Hanks You're repairing, only... everybody. <laughs> You're the only one. I wish I were on that island with him. I would have rubbed him down with coconut oil. <laughs> you want to be Wilson? All right. It's me and a lot of coconuts. Anyway, back to Marcus Rutherford. Yeah. Um, he's 6'2". He's a young man, and he, he can definitely put on muscle. Yeah, we I don't all think can. It's, it's, I it's... knew you and Stomp before you had biceps, yeah. and now you have biceps. It, it can be done. Like... It doesn't take that much work. Oh, no, it's, I mean, biceps. it takes a fair amount of work. Yeah, it takes a fair amount of work. But it's not but impossible. It's not impossible. Yeah. Like, yeah, he can do it, and he's gonna have like a lot of money behind him to help also, him do that. Also, that's his yeah. job is to build biceps. Like, totally. mm-hmm. that's his job. Like, hey, we're gonna be in the gym for four hours today, and it's like, hmm, I'm being paid to do this. Yeah. Right. The kind of physique that Jordan describes in the book was is almost comic bookish. I yeah. mean, you could yeah. have you being a blacksmith for years and years, you can put on just slabs of muscle like that. But he doesn't have years and years. So. He doesn't have years and years. He has a couple years. I will say this: yeah. when I first saw him, I thought he looked a little bit like like a British Drake. Hmm. And Word! Saw, That's exactly what I thought yeah. too, Jamie. And then that I saw exactly a picture of thought. him, and he's tall and yeah. thin, yeah. and a little soft in the middle, just like Drake. I don't know if you've seen the video of Drake <laughs> trying to work out, Drake. but he doesn't know how to lift, and everyone laughed at it, and it was hilarious. Drake is good at several other things. He doesn't also need to be good at lifting. Like, I can do deadlifts. Drake can't do deadlifts. He also owns a billion-dollar airplane. <laughs> oh, I meant to mention this. Randall Thor, Yosha... A rumored online is worth $1.1 million already. And he's 24. Interesting. But the same website that posted that said that uh, Marcus was white. So I don't know okay. if that's true or not. Obviously not a credible source. Uh, yeah. I don't know if this is going to be a note for fans, but the website says that they're both 6'2". Uh, I think this has been a note. Um, mm-hmm. It has been discussed, uh, the height thing, but I think we already quashed that debate. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't really matter. All right. My favorite male character, Matrim Cawthon. Rafe said, Barney simply is Matt. There is nothing oh, more to Barney. say. Ugh. You will fall over dead when you see him. Drive, Barney, drive. We <laughs> <laughs> didn't get to choose his Barney. name. That's his name. Come around for tea. <laughs> He's 22. He is the he is the younger tier of cast. I really so. should not shit on people's names. Barney's a bad name. He's six yeah. foot, so mm-hmm. he's two inches shorter than Ren and Perrin. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to his bio, he's a fitness freak and works out a lot. So maybe even though he's trim, mm-hmm. maybe he'll uh, teach Perrin his way around the gym. <laughs> he's an English actor, um, apparently living in LA though. Okay. 
he was on a TV show called Click, mm -hmm. which looks just like my kind of trashy CW teen show that uh -huh. I would watch. Um, right. He was also in the movie Billionaire Boys Club um, alongside Taron Egerton, Emma Roberts, and uh, superstar Kevin Spacey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wah, wah. There's another wah, movie wah. Um, that was directed by Ang Lee. Somebody's Halftime? Some, it's like a... Oh, yeah, I did, I did see something about that. Yeah. He was also... A lot of people were finding this image. If you search for him, there's an image of him in a hat, like a wide-brimmed hat, which mm -hmm. Matt rocks later. Yes. And it's when he plays a Orthodox Jew in a movie called Starboy. It's a short. Oh, cool. Um, so if you actually find yeah. the full image, he has, like, the curls going down. Oh, yeah. Um, Billy Lynn's long, long halftime walk. Here are my favorite quotes. Uh, I can't wait to learn some bloody new sayings from this guy right here. Great choice for Matt. The queen approves. That was from Elaine. Mm -hmm. Dane Bornhold, my new favorite person, apparently. Uh, no Aww. offense, but this kid is about to pull so many gals. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which people were like, come on, man, way to lower the level of conversation. I, I mean, like, yeah, but he's, he's, right. not wrong, he's not yeah. wrong. He's not wrong. At Marcel X, he can definitely rock that hat. So, yeah, visit our website. We'll post the picture. All right, I'm really excited for this next choice. Although she probably has the most um, uncertainty and fan reactions. Nynaeve, Nynaeve, however you say it. Nynaeve. Zoe Robbins, 26. Yeah, um, she was previously in The Power Rangers, mm -hmm. starring as Haley the White Ranger. Oh, cool! Go, go, go Power, Power Ranger! Yeah, people were showing her fight scenes, being like, yeah, look at her go. She was also on Wah Wah, The Shannara Chronicles. Mm -hmm. Ugh. Rafe said, sent about two dozen Nanave types to the writer's room to see who everyone liked, and every single person had one response, Zoe. I'm already standing her, if that's how you use the word. I never understood that. How do you, what does that mean to have stands? I worked for a brand and they it? were like, stands. Okay. What does okay, that okay. mean? Let me just explain yeah, this. Yeah. Right. To stand is, it's a capital S. Uh-huh. First of all. S-T-A-N-D. No, no, Stan. Stan. It goes like back to Stan. Eminem. That means being a fan. Yeah, like the Eminem yeah. song Stan. Yeah. When he has like... That's, oh! that's where it comes from. Yes, it comes from that being... That makes it so much cooler than I thought it was. That's where it comes from. Like I'm a biggest fan. Exactly. Oh, man. That's what it means. This is derived from combining the words stalker and fan to give us Stan. Truly yours, the biggest fan. This is Stan. Anyway, I don't really okay. Okay. <laughs> Online on Twitter at MattCawthon9 said, "I hope the actress playing Nynaeve has got her death stare perfected. Damn, the Gina. real Nynaeve can look like a bulldog licking piss off of a lemon-soaked nettle with a wasp on it when she's not happy." Wow. I wonder how this person met the real Nynaeve. <laughs> That's interesting. This sounds like this person's expressing some weird fetishes. <laughs> there were, I, I'm curious what you think, Colin, as someone that has massive braids. There were a lot of cringy comments about her braids because people... Who cares? There was, there was all this concern agree. about, like, are you going to have many braids versus the iconic single braid? And I was like, can you stop, please? I don't know how deep you're going to get into this conversation, yeah. but I can get pretty deep yeah, about this conversation. Well, go for it. Take a step. So look, I think that... I think, A, they posted that picture for a reason, mm -hmm. because Nynaeve is obviously known for having a braid. 
And tugging on it. And tugging on it. That's a very yeah. big character like, trait. Like that's 150 fine. of the 240 whatever comments were tug those braids. Tug, yeah. It's like, oh, shut up, really? Braid yeah. tugger. I think it was definitely a conscious choice by the PR team to choose that photograph. In terms of the reaction, the reactions that you're discussing, I think it's a deflective reaction. Mm -hmm. I think it's a way of commenting on ethnicity without commenting on this ethnicity. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I think it's obvious, and I think it's ridiculous. Also, I mean, look, when you're reading a book, even some of their idiosyncrasies get a little caricaturish. Mm -hmm. And sure. so, like, when you're watching film, when you're watching a live-action depiction of something, it needs to adapt to be realistic. So whatever her own idiosyncrasies are, you know, it, it's fine. I would rather it be believable and, like, native to the character than, like, oh, you have to have one single braid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. even it gets obnoxious. It's like, Jesus, stop tugging on the fucking braid. Or I always, yeah, I'm like, you're going to get split ends, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We'll see what they do with the show. Like, We'll see what they do. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, my personal favorite female character Egwene Alvear or Egwene Alvear. I don't want to say Egwene and turn off Andrew. <laughs> Egwene. Egwites. Egwites. Rand said, I'm glad you all finally get to meet Egwene. She is the character in the books I often identify with most. And Maddie, so I guess she goes with Matt by Maddie, makes her even more than the woman I admired reading for all those years. These five are the most incredible talents, and I'm honored to be able to work with them. So Madeline Madden, 22, she's Australian, and she's um, indigenous. She's about 5'6", and she comes from a very political family. They also have like a lot of backgrounds in the arts. It sounds like she has like a pretty awesome family. Mm -hmm. One of the first things you find about her is that at age 13, she gave a national address on the future of indigenous people in Australia. Mm-hmm. Which sounds pretty Egwene. Egwene's a really brave young woman. Uh, for TV, she's been in Picnic at Hanging Rock, based on the 1975 movie. I watched, but I remember I watched the, beginning. The, the opening episode, the first episode of the new one Me that too. she's in. Yeah. And I liked her. Yeah. Yeah, I liked her. I mean, it's, it's just one episode of the show. Yeah, she's you don't get character. a lot of yeah. her. But I liked um, her, and I felt like I felt good with what I saw. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, she definitely... I, the one thing for me, I did want someone... A little bit younger for Egwene. Mm -hmm. She she's twenty two, but she's very womanly. Like she she looks very mature, mm -hmm. especially like when she's done up with makeup or whatever. I mean, she's basically like Sophie Turner now. And mm -hmm. I said that I wanted like when Sophie Turner was a little younger. So I'm I'm most curious how she will interact with Maureen, mm -hmm. and how um, Rosamund Pike and Maddie will play off of each other and what that dynamic might be like now that she is a little bit mature. But I think if you watch Picnic at Hanging Rock, you see her opposite Colin's girlfriend. What's her name? Marjorie Natalie Terrell? Dormer. Natalie Dormer. What? what? Marjorie how long Terrell. Have you no, her name is Natalie Dormer. Natalie Dormer? <laughs> how long have you guys been dating? Oh, a long time, long time. A long time. Yeah, Back yeah. since the Tudors. Totally. Tudor times. Get in line. No, but you do see her opposite Natalie Dormer. 
Uh, which yeah. is weird. I wonder how Natalie Dormer feels about playing like the old madam. I mean, she's like, I, I thought about that too. <laughs> I mean, Natalie Dormer is fantastic. Yeah, she's um, great. But like, hey, like this is. I think when you're an actor, like these are realities that you have to. You have to face those realities. Mm-hmm. You have to come face to face. Yeah, with those she's immediately. 37. Yeah, and you, in order to keep working, like, yeah, because that's what everyone else is looking at. So you got to look at yourself in the same way. Also, most notably, she's in the new Dora movie. I want to see it. I do too. I wish I had like a little little sister. I wish my mom had like one more kid so I could go see kids movies. <laughs> For sure. I remember seeing the live action Cinderella and everyone was... Colin and I got drunk till like 3 a.m. and watched the new Beauty and the Beast. It was yeah. great. We watched, we started watching it at like 3 a.m. We drunk texted friends. That's right, yeah. you watched it here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember you telling me about that. I got really stoned once and I was trying to go see Iron Man and I walked into the wrong theater. <laughs> and it was a kids movie. What was it? No. I was just like a lone man. (laughs) (laughs) A lone drug man? Yeah. I was was high. Oh, yeah. Just like a lone high man. And I started looking around and I was like, man, these kids are really young (laughs) to be watching Iron Man. And then I I think, I don't know if I was just high, but I think this kid's dad started to look back at me like, (laughs) what are you doing here, man? Yeah, and then I realized like I'm in the wrong theater. Oh, shit. So that's my story. Back to a queen. Yeah. Online reaction, someone said, there's wisdom in those eyes, which I agree. Another person said, uh-huh. another outstanding choice in casting. It's almost as if she's naturally prepared to face the hardships Egwene will face. Welcome to the Wheel of Time family. That's our cast. So Rand, Perrin, Matt, Nanave, and Egwene. Yeah. The Fab Five, like, as Jamie says. I just want to say that like, I love this casting. I'm yes. very, very excited. And... Quite frank, to be very, very honest, I was not expecting this like yeah. in the cast. When I saw it, I was like, oh my God, this is fantastic. And I was quite honestly prepared to be like, okay, I'm going to get a whole not- like another Game yeah. of Thrones. Where like, yeah. I think I saw someone post on Twitter. I wish I knew the, the actual person mm-hmm. so I could give them credit. But someone posted like, look, this cast has more people of color in it already with six people cast than Game of Thrones did for the first two seasons. Bless. Which yeah. is true. Yeah, I, I saw that comment. Which is true. Yeah. So I was, I was quite frankly ready for another Game of Thrones because that's how I think we've all been conditioned, mm-hmm. quite frankly. So it was very, very uh, exciting and refreshing for me to see the way this casting came out. First of all, race is a human construct, which mm-hmm. means that while these characters are human, the ideas that we as contemporary, or not even necessarily modern, but we as humans in this actual world think about race doesn't necessarily, it's not a fundamental of the human existence that needs to be transferred to um, an analog in a fantasy world. The other side to that is that people of color range from the lightest of lights to the darkest of darks within the same family. Mm -hmm. So this is complete, all of this is completely within the realm of possibility. So you guys think about that. Just a last point that I was thinking about, which, you know, I think if you read some of the prologues, I don't know if it's Eye of the World, but, you know, the wheel turns and ages come and pass. And in Randland, there's been a point where they were, like, very far in in terms of relationship to our world in the future. Mm -hmm. Right. And had more advanced technology Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. a more advanced culture. Mm -hmm. And then there was the breaking of the world which regress them back to times. So when people try to create an analog of Europe and say, oh, well, there, there wasn't like a multicultural thing, you couldn't have uh, different skin tones within a region or something, mm-hmm. it's total bullshit. There's nothing to say that Manatharin, an age that essentially was in the future, wasn't uh, a melting pot or it just had a, a range of different skin colors. Mm-hmm. Like it's, that's a complete construct and bullshit because this is not 
medieval Europe. Right. It's, it's a different world with a different history. Well, I think, and so it's actually more likely that there would have been diversity within right, Men right. of Theron than there would not have been. Excellent and, point, Jamie. Yeah. And so, it, but I think yeah. that, like, this is going back to the bonus episode we did, but I think people are... People who be- who believe these things are very adept at dismissing information that does not work within the construct they built for themselves, yep. and kind of clinging to the things that work. You mm-hmm. know, so none of this is like my Uber driver who thought that global warming is just uh, made by scientists and they're just <laughs> manipulating the weather. Wait, that's not what's happening. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> they're creating plastic snow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, but do you guys feel the same way? Are you super stoked on this cast? Are I'm very we fucking excited. excited? I, I feel bad that we spent so much time discrediting the people who have a, a lower opinion of the cast. But I think overall, like, I'm just stoked. And I, I, I think it actually ladders back to a lot of our predictions that it would be a diverse cast, that it would yeah. be an international cast, because yeah. they're going to be able to do way better accents, and that they would be a hot cast, but unique in their own ways. <laughs> And not so hot that it's like gross or weird. We've reached uh, the perfect, uh, the, perfect the perfect intersection. Intersection <laughs> of hot and real. Yeah. Okay. Believably hot. So today in our second segment, we're going to be talking about episode two of the series. It's titled "Shadows Waiting." It was written by Amanda Kate Schumann. Last week we left off with chapter 10, Leave Takings. The Emmonsfield, four of them, along with Tom, Moraine, and Lan, had just left Emmonsfield. There were two predictions. You guys had said that you think at the end of the pilot episode, they will just be leaving Emmonsfield. Mm-hmm. I speculated that perchance, maybe they would make it to the other side of the Terran if they're trying to fit a lot into the first episode, but if they are layering a new spring, maybe not. Maybe they won't have time to get that far. Yeah, What's so exciting? I don't want to rehash that debate, but I, I still hold by what I said. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, if we hold by that debate, either way, whether they're just leaving Eamon's Field or they're crossing the Terran, in episode two, Shadows Waiting, that's the chapter title of when they get to Shadow Lagoth, which is chapter 19. A lot happens between chapters 11 and 19. Mm-hmm. They journey to Barillon. A lot of shit goes down in We Barillon. meet men. We meet men. We Nenave catches up with everyone. Yeah, we meet I mean, the I children think... of the light. Here's like, the thing. a Here's lot the thing. happens. I, I think that, like, and I feel like I said this last time, I think that, like, they could very well just be pulling titles from the work. That doesn't necessarily oh. mean it has to follow the exact mm-hmm. thing that's happening when they pull those words fair from point, the book. Fair point, fair point, fair like point. Waiting, the Shadows Waiting could be the fucking Madral that's waiting in the end when they're in Berlin. Like, it could be, also, you know I mean? They're, it could mean a number of, any number of things. The idea that, like, they, they finally understand the danger or something mm-hmm. like that, right? Like, for example, they get across the Terran and Matt's like, we're done, we're done with the whole thing, you mm-hmm. know? They could, you know what I mean? Like, it could, right, be, re- it could right. be referencing tons of shit. So I don't think that necessarily means, for example, that even episode three, they're talking necessarily about Tarvalon. It could just mean like mm-hmm. they get to a place of safety. Maybe, that, maybe of that's Aerodal. They think that's a place of safety, but it's not. You know, like, I actually think that a shadow's waiting, my prediction, is that a shadow's waiting is when they're in Berlon and they all experience the dream of Ba'asamad. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Exactly. Later, the Madral comes for them at the end. Yep. 
Yep. So yep. I do yep. think yep. that is what is going to happen in A Shadow's Waiting. And we'll get deeper into this, but I predict that episode three, Place of Safety, is actually Shadow Lagoth. Yeah. And that they're playing yeah, off of I'm that saying, because yeah. that's where they go from refuge when they're being chased by Shadow Spawn. Exactly. That's my point. So We're all getting our books out. I feel I like think, I need to get my uh, book out. If you're talking about the medium of television, they actually can cover a lot of this stuff pretty quickly. Agreed. Because <clears throat> they're what do they do? They they ride they go to Barrow. Ride, 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 ride. Yeah, they There's go, a lot of horseback. They take a bath. <laughs> like, there's a steamy there's a steamy bath scene there's a steamy bath they should keep that scene in I mean the biggest scene I think <laughs> yes, in Barrelon is when um, Nynaeve shows up that's gonna be a big scene mm-hmm. a soapy nude and then obviously when they have the dream that's a big scene in Barrelon which doesn't even necessarily take place in Barrelon wait, wait the big scene meaning Bran shrugged out of his cloak and stripped off his clothes while Ara filled four of the copper tubs. None of the others was far behind Rand in choosing a bathtub. Once their clothes were all in piles on the stools, Ara brought them each a large bucket of hot water and a dipper. Is this the excerpt you wanted to read? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I love how sexy you say dipper. I think we've also touched on this in a previous episode. Well, now that we dipper. have... Let's... Uh, now that we know we have Yosha, Marcus, and Barney... Sexy Barney. Uh, we can picture them. Uh, With a sexy older Lan. A, well, we don't know Lan that is highly anticipated. He's gonna, uh, he's gonna be the greatest. It could be, it could be like. It's Keith gonna Rich- be, it could be like Keith Richards or something like. That. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it just okay. Jamie's voice made me feel oily <clears throat> during that. Not a like you're touching the true source. Yeah, I guess. Like I. Touch out is being tainted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we did skip ahead to Verilon, yeah. and I do think they can cover the ground between crossing the Terran and Verilon pretty quickly. There are some important points. One, Rand channels for the first time. Mm-hmm. And Egwene? Yeah, he's also focused channels. on... Yes, Egwene also consciously channeled. No, I don't think she's ever channeled before. She's on her, like, tipping point yeah. of being able to, so Moraine guides her. Right. Rand does not realize that he's channeled. He's just right. focused on Egwene's safety and, and Bella, Bella making it as they race uh, to cross the Terran Correct. and escape the Drakkar and all of the Shadowspawn, and so he... Uh, he basically heals Bella and gives her yeah. strength to go on. Yeah, yeah. He also starts sort of the tendencies that piss off fans, which is he's watching Egwene grow as a woman. And resenting um, her for it. She's embracing the one power for the first time. She unbraids her hair. And he's kind of like, what the fuck? You're abandoning who you are and where we're from. And it, I think that has a lot to do with what he's growing, uh, he's going through because he doesn't really want to leave. He doesn't want a new life the way she does. Uh, oh, the reluctant white male hero. Of it. I just thought about this is actually not answering your question or to your point. This is mm-hmm. a previous point. He, when he heals Bella, he's not like she's not like right next to him. She's like a little further ahead of mm-hmm. him, right? So mm-hmm. he's healing her. From a distance, he's healing Bella mm-hmm. from a distance, which is not something I don't think we've seen. No, they always lay hands on. Yeah, they right. always lay. It's he, very different. Yeah, it's very different. There's actually point. two points of magic that we never see again, and I'm sorry for calling it magic, but points of channeling. One, Moraine. healing without physical contact, and second, Moraine stepping over the wall when she's in prayer lawn and they're leaving the city. Yeah, yeah I've read that passage like so many times. 
Because yeah, you never see you never see that again. Yeah, never. It's, a, it's an interesting thing that occurs there. I do think maybe because it was the first book, he took a little bit of freedom. And I was then he wondering. It in. If, well, okay. My understanding, I could be wrong. I'm sure someone's gonna mm -hmm. be able to correct me about this. But my understanding about the way these books were written is that he only got a contract for one book. Right. Which is why the other world is is written the way it is, mm -hmm. uh, which may explain some of these anomalies. And then after it got well received, he got an, a contract for two more books, which gives us the trilogy of Through the Dragon Reborn. Mm -hmm. And then after obviously that was well received, then he got they were like, okay, do whatever the fuck you want. Right, right, right. So I think that that might be the reason mm -hmm. for stuff, little things like that. Although, rereading again, like he's so good about knowing exactly where the fuck he's going. From oh, yeah. day one, like yeah. he knows, like just planned the, it out. he planned it. He thought all about out. it yeah. for years. Yeah, he's before so he ever good about it. So paper. it makes me wonder about things like that. Like, is mm -hmm. like for someone to plan something out that precisely? Yeah. Why would they make little concessions like that? Yeah, Andrew, reading through this your first time, and I know you've already moved on to the Great Hunt, which is really exciting. I can't wait to talk about it, but. What's your impression of Moraine? I will say, because I don't know the whole series, I know that from what I've kind of read and heard, like there are things about sort of gender roles and relationships that become problematic for people later. Mm -hmm. But only reading Eye of the World, that was a little bit surprising to me because the most competent, the smartest, the strategist, the leader, the person who's saving everyone is Moraine, right? Like mm -hmm. she's, she's a, to me, a strong female character. I think she's a badass. Yeah, she and is a total badass. She's like really the only one keeping it together. They're just useless teenagers. They don't, know, they don't know what they, they seriously don't know what the fuck is going on. It's true, it's true. Yeah. I mean, that is actually a great point, and it's, it's nice that you bring us back to that as a new reader, because one of the points that is a, a draw for many fans is the strong female characters, and even though there's criticism of how some of them, their, their arcs or their personalities are portrayed later, seeing like these strong women who can channel and who are in control is why a lot of people like it. And I was talking about Ursula Le Guin earlier, and the wizard of Earthsea, because she had people of color. The main character was a man of color. There was still criticism of that book because it wasn't, uh, it still played into the sexism of the time where the protagonist has to be a male. So it was a big thing for the Wheel of Time to have such strong female characters who have so much power. Yeah, even Ursula Gwynn acknowledged, she said, uh, in this sense, a wizard of Earthsea was perfectly conventional. The hero does what a man is supposed to do. It's a world where women are secondary, a man's world. And I think Wheel of Time is, is the first big fantasy series to subvert that. So it's awesome to see a character like Moraine, who is the strong leader and in control and, and the wise, mysterious one, not Gandalf. To me, she seems like a badass who's in charge. She is Absolutely. a badass. Season Without charge. a doubt. Yeah, she's fucking amazing. And as I'm getting into the second book, I won't bring up spoilers there, but I'm starting to like her even more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For those listening, we've been talking about each episode's predictions, and I think we're actually more rapidly than expected nearing the end of the Eye of the World, um, because Colin and I have predicted that season one will probably integrate at least the first part of The Great Hunt. So as a heads up... In episode five, we will be starting to talk about the Great Hunt. So in this episode, we will have no spoilers, and the next episode, no spoilers. But after that, 
We're going to talk about The Great Hunt. I'm so excited that Andrew is reading it. It's where the series really comes into its own. And we think that it makes sense that it would be part of series one. Someone actually did launch a YouTube video about why the Wheel of Time series is going to fail. What? Yeah. They did a whole uh, diatribe uh, soapbox because they said, I, the world is boring. Oh, I disagree. <laughs> I disagree too. I mean, I wouldn't have read the other 15 yeah, right. books if I of the world was boring. I don't. I didn't, I, watch, a, I didn't watch this video or whatever the fuck. I am a rough critic yeah, of NARC, literature. Uh, Daily Trollic, thank you for posting. So, you guys think this? Where do you guys think this episode will end? The second episode? Yeah. That's hard to say. I think. In Berlin with them it could leaving. Could end Berylon? with them leaving Berlin. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes sense to me. I think. I, I totally. That's. Yeah, I agree. I think they definitely need to get there. I think it could end with them leaving. Right. Like, if we're if we're talking yeah. about that, I did want to bring up um, like a more fun, lighthearted scene where they're all dancing in the inn. Yeah, I love that's that. Great. I love that scene. Nice. Yeah. And how surprised like Ran is, and how he gets so. Stumbled. Yeah, like yeah. dancing with everyone. Yeah. I think that's the first time we we. I feel like I could be wrong about this, but I feel like that's the first time we get the the repartee of like, oh, Piran is better with women, Matt's better with women. I think that's when that first starts is when he's like dancing and he's like, oh, I feel really stumble footed. Yeah. I think it's like when he like dances with Nanave and then with Moraine. Right. And he's like, Piran would know what to do, you know, whatever. So I think it's it's endearing. It's a great it's a great scene. And I'll be honest, yeah. I can't see Yosha dancing. <laughs> really? No. I can see everyone dancing always. <laughs> what is that why is that funny oh i just felt like that seemed to me really humanize the characters because yeah. before the before that they kind of seemed like i mean especially land and moraine yes like fantasy archetypes right, like, right, right. oh mage yeah you know, ranger yeah, yeah, yeah but in that part they're kind of like no i think it i think it does humanize them. i think that's the beauty of it is specifically seeing moraine dance and maybe even the nave yeah mm-hmm. um yeah. is seeing those two dancing um and and encouraging rand because you're seeing the world through his eyes, like it, it yeah, immediately I hope they leave the show. Yeah. I think it's important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If they're not, unless they're giving it to some other, give it to us some other way. I feel like that's one thing when we were talking about casting and their ages is they're from the small village, and I wanted them to have this innocence and the the vulnerability of the people from the wide-eyed wonder because they do have like a strict uh, moral social code. I think it. It's probably later, but they talk about like you know people getting caught having sex in a barn, and like you, none of that shit goes down in Edmonds Field. It's like very like proper. So you're taking these bumpkins out of their town and showing them to what they think is a big city in Berlin for the first time. Even though these are like very attractive, like people in their early twenties, I hope I get that same sense of innocence. And then when they're dancing, like you, you really see it. Like they're mm-hmm. just they're like joyful. Mm-hmm. You know, they have that innocence about the the world, and they can just have fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't see plastic in the snow. Yeah, and it's fun to see Maureen <laughs> let loose. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. We uh, we mentioned Nanave, um, but we didn't really talk about how she gets there because she doesn't leave Amon's Field with them. Like a total badass. I also like. I love in this part how Lan is so like shocked and impressed and like smitten with her like tracking skills i also love how she kind of throws it back she's like i'm like the best tracker other than tam like i kind of love how we get like like we don't know how wonderful tam is yet tam is you know and there's like a tiny hint right there of like 
the yeah. wonders of Tam. We're getting that characterization like through the other characters. Yeah, I love yeah, that. That's good, yeah. Last week we talked mm-hmm. about Anson Mount from Star Trek Discovery potentially playing Tam. Mm-hmm. And he has those cheekbones. Yeah. Now that they have Yosha, he's got like scary, scary cheekbones. And they're not meant to be like related, but it's cheekbones still meant like to blades. be believably his father. Sure. I think Anson Mount could do the job. All right, so as Anson Tam? Mount is Tam, guys. Anson Mount is go. Tam. You heard it here first. Definitely not Ray the friend suggestions of Kevin Costner oh, and Kevin Bacon. Both Kevins were suggested what? for Tam. The Postman? No. <laughs> I think it'd be cool if they alternated episodes like different Kevins. <laughs> Do you guys play that game, Who's Your Daddy? No. Wait, no. What, Wait, what where? Daddy? Oh, in the Dream dungeon? Daddy. Dream Daddy. Yeah, the game is amazing. Yeah, guys play Dream Daddy. It's Did you ever play awesome. it? It's like gay dads trying to I hook like up. I, yeah. It's a video game. Oh, I played story, that life. Like, I played that game in real life. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I usually play that. Uh, Daddy. Yeah, I don't know how you played that game in real life, but yeah. Dream Daddy. It's really easy. Okay. Yeah. Right after wrestling. <laughs> Okay, I think I want to close out this conversation with two talking points. One, uh, I do predict, unless they are making major changes to the book, that in episode two, we would meet Min. Absolutely. Yeah, in Barillon. Absolutely. Which is very exciting. I know she's your favorite character. It's not Lauren's favorite character. Lanfear is my favorite character. Lanfear. I know, but of the... I really love Min. Like, if I could be anyone in the Wheel of Time, I would want to be Min. Did you have a, you had a Min quote? Yeah, I pulled, this is the Min me. A quote that I pulled. And this is actually, the reason I pulled it is because it's a section that like when I'm reading the books, I often come back to. Is it the heavy foreshadowing? Yeah. It's I like, love it's this like part. It's like the first time you get like Min's, you see Min's ability. And I like, always come back to this ta- part. Yeah, you always come back to the part and you're like, oh. So Min's talking about, um, it's the first time Rand meets Min um, in Berlin in, uh, in the end. And she's talking about what she sees when she sees Egwene, when she sees Moraine, when she sees Lan. And then, uh, and then she gets to the three uh, young men and she says, The strongest things I see about the big curly-haired fellow are a wolf and a broken crown and trees flowering all around him. And the other one, a red eagle, an eye on a balance scale, a dagger with a ruby, a horn, and a laughing face. There are other things, but you see what I mean. This time I can't make up or down out of any of it. She waited then, still grinning, until he finally cleared his throat and asked, What about me? Her grin stopped just short of outright laughter. The same things as the rest. A sword that isn't a sword, a golden crown of laurel leaves, a beggar's staff, you pouring water on sand, a bloody hand and a white hot iron. Three women standing over a funeral bier with you on it. Black rock wet with blood. All right, he broke in uneasily. You don't have to list it all. Most of all, I see lightning all around you. Some striking at you, some coming out, out of you. I don't know what any of it means except for one thing. You and I will meet again. She gave him a quizzical look, as if she did not understand that either. Why shouldn't we, he said. I'll be coming back this way on my way home. I suppose you will at that. Suddenly her grin was back, wry and mysterious, and she patted him on his cheek. It gives me goosebumps. I love this section not just for the foreshadowing, but also like the youthful flirtation of this beguiling woman yeah. who he's like, what? And he was like, yeah. like <laughs> I really picture Min and I would just personally love to see this character as like very androgynous. 
I hope so. I mean, that's I would how really she's, love. She's played. Yeah. I would really love to see like a very androgynous character. Mm-hmm. I, I think. I really, I really hope Rafe leans into that. Me too. I really, I really hope he re- leans into the possibilities of men's characters. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be fantastic. And uh, quite frankly, the the casting that they've chosen gives me faith. Me too. That he will do something along those lines. Also, another exciting part that happens that I assume they're going to keep in this episode is encountering the Children of the Light for the first time. Right. Oh That's yeah, really important. that yeah. is really important. Yeah. Righteous assholes. I want to personally. I want to see Shadar Logoth because that turned me into a fan of the series. Until I got to that point, I was like, "Eh, this is kind of Lord of the Ringsy." Mm-hmm. And then I was like, "Oh, there's an ancient evil in the ruins of this decrepit." massive city that's mm-hmm. not the same thing as the dark one it's a completely different evil and yeah. it's killing yeah. trollocs yeah. and then i was like this is pretty metal <laughs> yeah it's super metal yeah. that, that was the point for me where i turned from like skeptical into like nah i'm ready to i'm ready to go all in this is right cool. this is cool not boring eye of the world whoever said eye of the world is boring yeah, weird get bent weird yeah, and we'll definitely talk about that next episode when we visit episode three of the Amazon series, Shadows Waiting. Thank you, everyone, for listening. You can learn more about us at ranlandtv.com and follow us in social.